Colossians 1 and verse 15. Then I want to pray over the word as we receive it this morning. It says in Colossians 1 and verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that as we open your word this morning, it testifies of him. I pray that you would open our eyes to the wonders of your word, that you would incline our ear to what you would say, that you would unite our hearts in your presence and you would satisfy our souls as only you can. We thank you for your goodness, your grace and your mercy to be with us and working in us today. In Jesus name. Amen. So we are week three of Advent, right? Advent meaning the arrival of a notable person or thing. And we we celebrate Christmas on December 25th. But Advent helps us the Sundays before that kind of lead our heart uh, towards him so that we can receive everything that he would have for us during this time. And and last time I preached, like I said, last week we had Kids Sunday. But last time I preached, we, we asked some questions. Not complicated questions, but questions I think it's important for us to ask ourselves is why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Because, you know, when you're doing something like there's a lot that goes into celebrating Christmas. And when you're putting that much out, it's pretty important that you realize why it is you're doing that. Isn't it? That much energy, that much attention, that much going on. It's important for us to remember why it is that we do that why do we celebrate Christmas? And then also on the backside of that, how can we best celebrate Christmas? And, and we said, you know, the answer was it, Jesus came. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus came and we talked about why did he come? Why did Jesus come? And we read from First Timothy chapter one, where Paul said, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And what did Paul say? And I'm the worst of them. And I'm the chief one. He said, Jesus, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And I'm the worst of them. And again, as we're observing these weeks before Christmas, Advent, we're preparing our hearts to receive the most from him, the most that he has for us in this season, because it is a gift from God to us. Christ is a gift from God to us. And we'll talk about that this morning. But this time, this time in our life, these moments in, in December every year are set aside so that we think on him. This is the fact that he came, that he would be the center of 
this season. Amen? And few scriptures outline Jesus' supremacy, His overall supremacy, that He would be first in everything, that He would be center in everything as this little hymn in the book of Colossians. Yours may say, mine even has above it, it's, it's, it's the centrality of Christ. And most believe that this was something that would be sung in the early church. And Paul's recorded it here in the book of Colossians for us to read. That he would be the center. Think about that. That's another question. What's the center of my life? What is at my life's core? What is the most important thing about me? What is the most important thing about my life? And when we're reading this... It points to get far past it today, where in verse 15, it says he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. Now, does that mean that his physical attributes look like God? Have you ever noticed how preoccupied we are with what Jesus physically looked like? If you notice that anybody ever watched one of those shows on the History Channel where they kind of lured you in? It was like, you know, now new evidence. We, we believe we've got an accurate representation of what Jesus looked like. And you'll watch it for an hour and they'll have people coming on there and talking. And they're like, well, he lived here and this was going on here and this kind of stuff happened here. And they'll drag it out for a whole hour just to show a picture at the end that somebody painted. <laughs> and they're like, we think it could have been maybe like this. We don't know. But thanks for spending an hour with us. We appreciate it. We're preoccupied with what, 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 what did he look like? You'll see him when they talk about the Shroud of Turin. If you don't know what that is, don't Google it. You'll go down a rabbit hole. But they're like, from that, we think we've got this is what he looked. This is what the structure of his face looked like. This is what Jesus looked like. We're just so preoccupied with it. Well, what was his skin tone? How big was his nose? How long was his hair? How big was his beard? He might have, was it manicured? Was it, was it rough? What, what, what did Jesus look like? And I'll give you the answer and I won't take an hour to do it. I'll tell you right now, the answer, what did Jesus look like? He looked like a man. <laughs> he looked like a man and He was the image, is the image of the invisible God. Now, notice it didn't say he's an image of the invisible God, did it? It says he is the image of the invisible God. So he looked like a man and he is the image of the invisible God. Well, there's a little bit of mystery in that, isn't there? When you see this phrase, the image of, of God. He was the image of God. You know, this wasn't originally written in English, so I went and looked at it, what it was in the Greek. And the word there that we translate image in the Greek is icon. It's where we get our word for icon. Or to say someone is a representative symbol of something else. You know, we'll say this person is a fashion icon. This person is a movie icon or a rock music icon. They're a leadership icon. What does that mean? They are a representative symbol of this intangible thing, right? That they resemble this intangible 
thing. And we like to encapsulate important things in a person, don't we? You look down through all of the, all those, they're an icon in this, they're an icon in their business, they're an icon in this part that we do. We, we like to do that. And the reason we like to do that is because our soul, remember we've been talking about our soul, before we got into Advent, we were talking about our soul. Our soul needs things, doesn't it? That's what we figured out. Our soul is a needy, needy little thing. <laughs> and one of the things our soul needs is glory. We need it. We want to see it. We want to look at it. We want to behold something glorious. We'll search for it. We'll look for it. We want to hold something up and go, this This is what it's all about. This is glorious. This shines. This is wonderful to behold. We want to do that, don't we? That's one of the things that we do. So when we're looking for icons in our life, what we're doing is we're looking for glory. Our soul is saying, show me something glorious. Show me something glorious. Glorious, something that's going to bless my heart, something that's going to inspire my soul. Show me something glorious. One word that you can use for it is we're looking for an incarnation of glory. We want something that's that, that, that's like us, that's close to us, but also better than us, don't we? We want that because we know who we are. We know how we are. We want something that's like us, close to us, approachable, but also better than us. You look at all the stories that we have, all the fictional things that we read about or entertain ourselves with. They generally revolve around there's there's a great evil. There's an enemy that has to be overcome. And there's one who's like us, but a little bit better. There's one who's like us, but a little bit better, super strong, super smart. Uh, They've got this special ability. They're the chosen one, right? You see that all in our media and all in our entertainment. Why? Because we're looking for it. We're looking for it. We, 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 we want to soak ourselves in stories about it. And people will sit there and watch it. Even unbelievers, not far from Christ, but they're, they're entertaining themselves with stories like that. Why? Because it's, all, it, it, it's our story and it gives us hope. That somebody would be like us, approachable, almost like us, but but better because we know that we're not good enough. And so we assign it to people, right? We, 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 we have these icons and we have these uh, individuals in life that will assign that to whether celebrities, you know, or whatever else that we go, well, well surely they're, they're, they're like us, but better. They're approachable, but, but better. And one thing that we learn is it's really not right. They are like us, but they're really not better. And we got Kelly and I last weekend, which doesn't feel like last weekend. This last week feels pretty long, doesn't it? Um, last weekend, we got to go to a comedy show in, in Little Rock. One of my favorite uh, comedians, his name's Nate Bargatze. I'd heard him on one of the late night shows several years ago. I didn't know who he was. Like, this guy's really funny. Uh, he's got specials on Netflix. You can look it up. He's a clean comedian. He's a comedian who's a Christian, but he's not a cringy Christian comedian. You know what I'm talking about? Not quite like that. And so when I found out he was going to be in Little Rock, I was like, we've got to go to this. I think this will be really fun. And Kelly thought something has happened to my husband that he wants to buy tickets and go out of town to something. But she wasn't going to argue. She was excited about it, too. So anyway, we're going. And again, I was looking forward to it because he has a little podcast, him and his friends, and I'll listen to it. He's just really funny guy. And, you know, she said, uh, I think she said, 
what, what if you, when we're going to this, what if you get to meet Nate Bargatze? You know, because I was talking about like we're friends, even though we're not friends. He doesn't know who I am. Um, she's like, what if you got to meet him? And I got to thinking about it. I was like, what if I did get to meet him? And, and I was reminded like, he, this is just a dude. And like, I know that about him. He is just a regular guy. He's funny. He's worked really hard, you know, to, to be where he is. He, he's built this business of, of comedy that he goes and that he does. But he, he's otherwise just a regular dude. And again, we, we sat and listened to him for an, over an hour. He talked for an hour and was hilarious. I mean, I laughed harder than I've laughed in a while. And, and also after the fact, I realized that, that his craft and what he does is to work really hard to seem like he's not working. You know, he's up there and he's talking for an hour and it's hilarious the whole way through. And you get this perception that he just walked in off the street and started telling stories like he just walked in and started talking. But in fact, he's worked for uh, probably hundreds of hours on the material that he was sharing that, that seems so casual. He, it's very specific and he's worked on, you know, well, maybe if I say this word instead of this word or this name instead of this name, it'll be funnier. People laugh more when I say, you know, Jimmy instead of Joey. They, it just sounds funnier when I say it. And so he's worked really, really hard to, to come across as casual, even though he's professional. But again, he is just, a dude. He's just a dude like me and you. He's just been working hard and he'll even talk about the weight that comes from expectation. I heard him talk about just the other day. He was like, before I show him and some of his comedian friends are standing there and, you know, they're uh, not even getting ready yet. But some guy walks in and he was like, so y'all are the comedians for tonight. They're like, yeah, we're the ones doing the show tonight. He said, well, say something funny. Go ahead. Let me hear some of it. And they're like, I mean, that's not really it's that doesn't quite work like that. You know, like when you're at the family thing and your mom or your dad goes, hey, tell that joke you told the other day. I was like, when you lead it in like that, it doesn't really land the same. Right. But they were like, we, if you we just started talking right now, you would be like, these guys are bad. He's like, but he didn't he didn't understand why. You couldn't just, well, you're funny. You're the funny guy. Just spit it out right now. Just go ahead right now. The expectation of that readiness and perfection all the time. And he talked about the weight of that and how he even feels like when he goes up on the stage of somewhere like Simmons Bank Arena in Little Rock, that he feels like an imposter, that he feels like I can't believe all these people are here to see me. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. I shouldn't be the one to be here. And yet he, other people, we, we set them up as icons in these areas and we don't realize that we're going to crush them under the weight of that. Right. And that's why you see celebrities that, that aren't grounded in faith, that aren't rooted in the right thing. They don't have Jesus at the center. It starts to slowly, but surely crush them and tear their lives Apart, And we talked about that. It is, that's the problem with idolatry. We want to see glory. So we take something that's uh, that's good. Again, he's good at what he does. There's musicians that are good at what they do, actors that are good at what they do, whatever the case may be. We take something that's good and then we ask it to be great. We ask it to be ultimate and we ask it to be all the time. We ask it to be something for us that only God can be for us. And every time we do that, we break it and it breaks us. 
Because we're hanging ourselves on a hook that can't hold us up. And we're crushing them under the weight of it. Don't ask the people in your life to be more than what they can be. They, They can be an awesome relationship for you and a terrible God. That will break your heart. So we, we see that with icons. And Paul says, Paul, Paul speaks into this. He speaks into this and says, Jesus is the image. Jesus is the icon. It's him. He's the one that you're looking for. He's the center. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the one. He's the one that can hold you up. The Apostle John would speak about it, speak about the Savior in the same way in John chapter one, when he said the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we observed his glory. We saw his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Who's full of grace and truth? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And he said also about him, this just plays so well together. The Apostle John said, no one has ever seen God. Paul said he's invisible. No one has ever seen God. The one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side has revealed him to us. He said, nobody's seen God, but we've seen the son and the son has revealed the father to us. We saw his glory. He's the image of the invisible God. Again, he looked like a man and he revealed the glory of God, the father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. And Paul said, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And that doesn't mean he was the first created. What it means is he was the source, the sustainer, and the design for all of creation. He is what everything is wired to run on. Put it an easier way. He made it and it was made for him. We'll get into that a little bit next week. But what a gift. We talk about Christmas and, and, and gifts and presents. What a gift. Christ Jesus is the gift above all gifts. We talk again, full of grace and truth, full, overflowing with grace and truth. What a wonder that is. What a glorious thing that is for us to behold. Think on it. He came below to raise you up. He came down so that you could be raised up. He was born like you so that you could become like him. What we read in verse 20 there of Colossians 1, that he would reconcile everything to himself, making peace through his blood on the cross. He came below so you could be above. He took on a physical body, blood and bone, just like ours. That's what Philippians says, chapter two. Took on a physical body like ours so that he could die our death, reconcile us and take us before the father and present us holy and faultless and blameless. Came in a form like us. So we could take on the form of godliness that belonged only to him. 
And it's so he could present us to God, the Father, the one invisible, the one he had revealed to us here on the earth, that he could present us before him, holy, faultless and blameless, not because we were any of those things, but that in Christ we we receive what only he had. What a wonder that is. What power he displayed that when God and humanity were separated, right? Because we know that. We go back to Genesis. God and humanity were separated, far apart. Christ united God and man in the same body, in the person of Jesus Christ. The created flesh and blood and the uncreated firstborn over all creation, he joined them together. When God and man were far apart, he brought them close first in his own body, in his own body. And then through his body, all who would come, all who would come when we were separated, fallen short of God's glory. Remember, that's what we want is glory. Glory. We want to see it. We want to encounter it. We want to know it. We want to be right in the middle of it. But we know we fall short of it. Falling short of it, he reconciled in his own body first. Didn't picture that. God and man are far apart. He's like, I'm going to put them together right here first. And then through this body, reconcile all that would come so that I can present them before the Father, holy and faultless and blameless. That's further in Colossians 1. That's down in verse 22. Power on display what wisdom there is the depths and the riches of his wisdom and that when we were helpless think about not strong enough to get home not smart enough to devise a way we couldn't figure it out we had the desire for perfection we didn't have the ability to bring it about god incarnate came to save you scripture says to the uttermost. As far as you can be saved, he came to save us. As a man, he came to die our death, my death, your death. And as the son of God, he was the only one able to overcome it. Again, that joining together of mortal and immortality so that he could be just and the justifier of Many. What is it that we're most afraid of? Death. Right. After some people say public speaking, I still argue with that. (laughs) What are you most afraid of? Public speaking. Did you know death was on the table? Oh, well, then death. I'm afraid of death. Right. What are we most afraid of is death. And what did he go down into the absolute bottom of death and hell and the grave, the absolute bottom of it? As far as you can go down into it, he went what we're most afraid of, what we know has our number. He went down to the very bottom of it and came back victorious. He went down to the very bottom of it and came back resurrected to tell us, hey, what y'all were most scared of? I defeated that. That's over. 
It's not the same for you as it used to be. Don't be afraid of that. Come live with me. Come be with me for where I am, you may be. Also, he went down to the very bottom of what we were afraid of, of what we knew had our number, what we could not and wanted to escape and couldn't. He went down to the very bottom of it and came back for us, God and man together in Jesus Christ. And Paul doesn't want us to miss this. He's calling our attention to it in Colossians. And in part of this, he was wanting them to not get away from Christ and who he is and what he did. He'll tell them later, he's like, it's not legalism, it's Christ. It's not licentiousness or just being able to do what you want to. It's Christ. It's not empty philosophy. It's Christ. And he started off holding him up high so they could see him. He said, look at him. Look at who he is. Look at what he's done. Who else is like him? He's the center of everything. He's the image of the invisible God. He is the icon. He's the icon representative of all that God is. What wonder, what power, what wisdom on display. This king, this great and glorious king, all these beautiful things that he said about him, that he existed before, that he created everything, that he holds everything together, that he's ruler over all. This one, that one came to us clothed in weakness for us. He put on weakness so that we could in him find strength. He put on the poverty of humanity so that we in him could have the riches of all the ages. We could have the glory that's only found in him. He came to visit us, to visit creation in the likeness of the same. He came to us. He came like us. Again, that's why when you see this in the stories, when you see the stories of, that seem like incarnate, it's somebody who's, who's like us, but they're better. They're like us, but they're the chosen one. They're like us, but they got special abilities. They're like us, but they've got the ability that we don't have to overcome what we can't overcome. It's the same story we keep telling over and over and over again because it's stuck in our soul because he's the one that created all of it. He came to visit creation in the likeness of the same so that he could demonstrate the father's image, the father's glory, love and grace. Truth, full of it, full of truth to us so that we could say with Paul, we've seen him. We've seen God. We've been with God. He came as Emmanuel, God with us. He came to be with us and make a way for us to be with him forever. And he came so close, so close. He didn't come and and keep himself far away. He didn't come and go up to the top of the mountain. He came as the baby in the manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And the first ones who showed up were who? The shepherds. No reputation, smelled really bad. They've been out there with the sheep, like not, not people that were even trustworthy. Most of the time, if you go back and look and read about it, they weren't like, oh, the shepherds are here. Everybody mind your P's and Q's. It was like the shepherds are here and get their kids out of the way. <laughs> right? It just was. But that's who he went to first. I want to go to the ones that are outside. 
the city. I want to go to the ones that feel like they're outcasts. I want to go to the ones that don't feel like they're good enough. I'll get to the other ones in a minute. They're coming too, but I want to go to the ones who feel like nobody's coming for them. I want to go to the ones who are just as hungry for that glory, but feel like they're further away from it. He came and he came close. He, he came close to us, close to me and close to you. He's the image of the invisible God. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, that he came. God incarnate, the one we were looking for, the one we needed, the one we didn't deserve, but he came anyway. He came and he came close. It's what we celebrate and it's what we look forward to. Because he came the first time, when he comes again, we'll be with him forever. I love to quote it in Thessalonians. God chose to save us through Jesus Christ and not to pour out his anger on us. Amen. So that whether we are alive or dead when he returns, we can live with him forever. What did we deserve? The anger. That's what we were due was his anger. Why? Our sin. Our sin that had separated us from him. It's worthy of God's wrath. But he chose not to pour out his anger on us, but to instead save us in Jesus Christ. So that whether I'm living or dead, when he ties the bow on this whole thing, I'll be with him forever. The manger and the cross are proofs of his love for us. Proof of how much he loves you. That he came, that he endured, and that he caused you to come close. The one, uh, this song that's been blessing me, uh, the one who knows you the best loves you the most. The one who knows you the best knows all the reasons that you don't even tell other people, knows all the things that you keep quiet. He knows all of them. And yet he loves you more than anybody else ever has, ever will, ever, ever can. The one who knows you best loves you the most. One of the phrases I picked up from overcomers, I forget exactly who was sharing, so I don't want to misquote them. They said, I'm, I, I'm, I'm so glad he doesn't see me the way I see me. I'm so glad he doesn't talk about me the way I talk about me. I'm so glad that he speaks a better word over me. Because what does he see? He sees the image. Because while Jesus is the image of the invisible God, what does scripture say? That we are being transformed into the image of. Yeah. The one that we are beholding, that we behold is in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed into that same image by the power of the Holy Spirit into the image of the Son. He came as the image and we are being he sees us as it right now, but we're seeing it play out over our life and over our growth and over our maturity. People pick at me the way I say that. Oh, they're making fun of me at my own house last night. Yeah. So regular people, I promise my family makes fun of me. We're growing into the same image by, by what we're doing. Well, no. By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power 
of the Holy Spirit. He knows we want to see something glorious. And He came to show it to us. He came to show it to us. And again, where's He at now? Where's He at right now? Where's that image right now? Look at verse 18. He, Christ, is also the head of the body, the church. He's the head of the body, the church. When we look on Him, we start to look more like Him. We start to look more like Him. We, scripture says we carry around this wonderful, amazing, glorious thing in a, in a cheap container. Think about the most expensive present you could ever imagine put in a little like Dollar Tree gift bag. That's you. That's you. That's me. Just the cheapest little gift bag it can be. That's you and me. Holding the glory of the Lord. Said we carry around His death and burial and resurrection. We carry it around in us in these earthen vessels. We're breakable. But he's not. We're carrying around this beautiful, glorious gift on the inside of us. That same light, that same life, and that same love is in us through him. Again, in the power of the Spirit so that we can shine that same light for others. That's why Scripture says they'll see your good works and do what? Glorify you? Uh-uh. They'll see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven because they'll recognize His glory. They'll recognize His light. Why? Because they were made to look at it. Not made to like forced to. Created to run on that. Can you imagine breathing air for the first time? And going, this is what I was made to run on. This is what I was made to run on. That's our life in Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is the icon. What a wonder, what power, what wisdom. He came close. God with us. Emmanuel. Amen. Why do we celebrate Christmas? It's a little bit easier now, right? Because of Him. My gosh, because of Him. He didn't have to come and He did. He could, have, he could have punished us and poured out anger on us. We deserved it. We deserved it. But He didn't. He was full of grace and truth and chose to save us so that whatever happens with us, we can be with Him forever. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for being the answer to our question. Thank You for being okay with us asking them. And I thank You that You answer them rightly. Lord, you made us to see glory, to look for it, to search for it. Forgive us for the times when we tried to put it on somebody else, somebody or something lesser than you. And God, we got the scars and the wounds to prove it. That we tried to have something else hold us up when it wasn't capable. And we hurt ourselves and we hurt it. Forgive us. Forgive us. And thank you so much for the gift that you have given to us. That Christ came. He looked like a man. And he was the image of the invisible God. He was the representative of what you are. And look what he did. Went about doing good and destroying the works of the devil. I thank you for the grace and truth that we find in Christ Jesus. 
I thank You for the gift of all gifts that we celebrate. And I thank You that You will keep us so mindful that in all of our busyness and all of our fun and all of our schedule, that He be the center. That He be the center of it all. Not just this season, but all of our seasons. That Christ would be the center of it all. Because you're the only one that can hold that spot and hold it firm. I thank you for the blessing that it is to be found in your body, that you're head of the church, that we get to be a part of what you're doing. We get to be close to you because you came close to us. We get to rise above because you came down below. We don't have to be afraid even of death at the end because you already went down to the bottom of it and prepared a way for us through it so that we would be with you forever. Lord, thank you for the realization, for the revelation of who you are, what you came to do, and what we can rest in. And I thank you for the light that you've put in us so that we can go out. Times when we go out today, that we can shine the light of your love in dark places. Because everywhere where you're not lifted up, Lord, you need to be lifted up. Everywhere where you're not made known, you need to be made known because you are the gift of gifts and you're the answer to the question. As we get ready to go today, I thank you that we go in peace and unity with one another. And God, you protect us, preserve us, sustain us and uphold us. What we've put out and purpose in our heart to do, I thank you, Lord, that we'll be able to do so to your glory and the good of those around us. And as we begin this week, we do so with you in mind that we acknowledge you in all of our ways so that we know that you'll direct our paths. And I thank you that you give to us grace and peace that are multiplied past us so that we can give to others what only comes from you so that it'll be noticeable, it'll be tangible, and it'll be different. And they'll see you. They'll see the image. They'll see our icon. And they'll know what it's all about. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.